Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Scoopy Radio in your airwaves, on the plane, on the train, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast, which is available on everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, or simply by visiting ScoopBradio.com. 3.5 million streams last year in 2018 and 2 million or 2.5 million in 2017. We're all the way up and on the line right now is a guy that I've literally reconnected with recently and knew him from my childhood from the days uh, working at, with the Nets, Nets Lemon Planet. But I was a two-time NBA champion. It's none other than Jason Caffey from the Chicago Bulls, two-time NBA champion on the line. What's going on, sir? This is Scoop. How are you doing, my friend? Man, it's been some years. It has, man. And I would like to say congratulations to you on all your success. Um, man, you've come a long way from that high school kid that I met in the uh, Netherlands. It's just great to see you doing great things. Yes, sir. Jason Caffey, the, the 20th overall pick in the 1995 NBA draft by the Chicago Bulls. And, brother, um, first and foremost, um, you know, me and I talked on the phone yesterday. Um, you have a story. Uh, I want to get to first, you are writing a book. Is that is that correct? That's, that's correct. It's actually a uh, complete scoop. It will, will be ready for dis- distribution early July of this year. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, the name of the book is uh, Richard and the Boys, The Puberty Experience. And this mm-hmm. is a book. Uh, this is one of four books that I have completed. This particular book is for boys ages 9 through 12. I co-authored this book with a Dr. Nadine Pierre-Louise out of Florida. Uh, She's a specialist, uh, a psychologist uh, in this field. So I didn't want to go out and try to create something myself. I wanted to go get a professional and have her put the scientific scientific knowledge with it. And I wanted to add my life experiences with it and try to educate young men on the decision-making process. 
you, uh, first and foremost, I congratulate you. I commend you on that. You have quite a story. Uh, as we mentioned, Scoopy Radio on the line with two-time NBA champion Jason Caffey. You won two championships with the Chicago Bulls, uh, with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Um, tell me a little bit about that experience. I mean, what's it like stepping into the gym with Michael and Scotty? Man, it was it was a great experience. Uh, first and foremost, I, I, I came out of University of Al- Alabama, a very athletic kid. And when I, I stepped on the floor with those gentlemen, uh, it, it made me feel like you know I couldn't jump anymore. I didn't have my speed anymore. They were so much more athletic than I was at the time because they had already came into their what you call grown man strength, and I hadn't. So uh, it humbled me. Very humbling experience. You came out of Mobile, Alabama, the same town, same city as Charles Barkley. First of all, what is in the water? I mean, you guys dribble, you guys can shoot, you guys got attitude. What's in the water in Mobile, Alabama? Well, actually, Charles is is a little bit north of me. He's from a town, a small town called Leeds, Alabama. And I'm down here on the Gulf, of course. Uh, I don't know. We're just big country boys, man. I, I don't know what to say about it. Um, we, we've been blessed. You talked about the Chicago Bulls, and you talked about playing with Michael Jordan. You played with Dennis Rodman as well. Um, in your estimation, you guys, you guys won two championships. What makes Michael special? And what 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 is about his competitive drive makes him special? Well, Michael's not afraid uh, of taking on anyone, uh, any players. In today's game, uh, you find it hard because a lot of players like to lead by example. Michael not only led by example, he was willing to voice out his opinion. And opinionated players sometimes get the raw end of the deal, uh, a la Terrell Owens, who was another Alabama boy. Great player, but uh, maybe too hard on his teammates. However, if he would have been winning championships like Michael, does he go down as a tyrant or does he go down as one of the great leaders in football history? So it's a unique line you have to walk when you do what Michael did, and he just wasn't afraid to do it. The Bulls, two three-peats, uh, one with Horace Grant, one with Dennis Rodman. Horace once told me on the Scoopy Radio podcast, he compared, he said that Michael Jordan was the devil in practice. For you, what was he like in practice? He was like a general. He was like a, a Marine general to me. He, he took no trash. Every practice was harder than each game. Michael truly believed that if you practice every practice at game speed, the game would just roll over to you and it naturally did for us. Uh, I loved it. Uh, he pushed me to places I never thought I could be pushed for. And he's one of the reasons I'm still surviving today because of the things I learned from Michael Jordan. Scoopy Radio on the line with Jason Caffey. You, as I mentioned before, uh, you were part of the second three-peat uh, with you know, Michael, Scotty, Dennis. Uh, what was what were their interactions like in the locker room? Scoop, for the two and a half years I was there, uh, I've never seen Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, talk to Dennis Rodman. I've never what? seen Dennis Rodman talk to Jordan or Pippen. They, they never communicated. Everything was eye contact and just uh, a know-how of how to win together. They had no communications. Why do you think that was? Me, personally, and this is just what I feel, I think 
Michael and Scotty still have personal feelings dating back from Dennis's time with the Detroit Pistons. You know, he roughed them up pretty good in, in those playoff series. Um, when he came to Chicago, I think that was still in their heads. Um, that's, that's just my opinion. I mean, you look at Dennis, you look at Michael, you look at Scotty. People forget. People obviously Dennis won a championship or two with the with the Pistons, with you know Bill Lambert, John Sally, uh, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas. How could they? How, why do you you said in your opinion it was it was a level of trust? What about Dennis? Do you think kind of just made them not trust him? No, no, he gave them every reason to uh, to trust him. When he came in, this man came in as just as great an athlete, just as great a shape and condition as those guys did. He put in just as much work with those guys, and he defended them. The first time, I'll tell you this, that I saw when Michael and Scotty uh, respected the fact that Dennis is just a warrior and he's going to fight for whatever team he's on. We were in the playoffs down in Miami, and Scotty went back. Alonzo Morning, and Morning came down with an elbow in the top of Scotty's head, and a large hematoma arose on Scotty's head. It looked like he had two heads. Two plays later, Dennis goes up under Alonzo Morning and slams him into the crowd, and he gets kicked out of the game. He walks over to the bench, and the only thing he says is, bro, where were you guys? I had him down. <laughs> at that point, I saw Michael and Scotty start to look at Dennis different. Hmm. So he was able to sit at the cool table. That I would definitely say so. But he, Dennis always had his own table. You know, hmm. he he stirred up a big mess in Chicago. And when I say mess, I don't mean uh, uh, anything bad. I mean, this man had his own following. Chicago is a blue-collar town. The people hmm. really took to Dennis Rodman in Chicago, Illinois. What is it like being around Dennis Rodman? I'm intrigued. Everybody knows about Michael. A lot of people know about Scotty. What 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 made Dennis tick? What made Dennis special? Dennis is fun, very fun to be around. Uh, you're not going to get five words out of him. First of all, it's just going to be all partying. Uh, I used to hang out with Dennis a lot at places like Crowbar. Uh, when we go into the place, Dennis is you know he's, he's going to order us thirty shots of tequila. And, and we're going to sit there and slam. And, um, you know, me being as young as I was, next day at practice, I, I suck. But Dennis, he'd get to practice an hour early. He'd run on the elliptical for a whole hour before practice. Then he would go through the duration of practice and do the elliptical again for an hour after practice. The man had, like, 1% body fat. So he's one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. Jesse, here's my question. I remember when Dennis Rodman was throwing his jersey into the stands or handing it to to, to uh, fans after games. If I'm not mistaken, you guys get two home jerseys, two away jerseys. Am I right? Right. How much do you think Dennis actually spent giving the fans if you had to ask him? I don't think he spent anything. I think Dennis knew how to market himself for Long before he got to Chicago, I think Madonna helped out a lot with that. He had that in his contract to have those jerseys. He was smart. Really? Yes. Wow. 
the Madonna thing stands out to me. Scoopy Radio on the line with the Jason Cassie talking the Chicago Bulls days, talking about his book uh, that will be forthcoming and more. You talked about marketing. You talked about Michael. One of the things that I always admired about you guys on the Bulls uh, was just, you know, Harper, Rodman, Michael, you, et cetera, was cool coach, uh, Luke Longley. You guys just, I, I would imagine your sneaker collection was definitely all over the place, whether it was Nike branded stuff, whether it was Jordan branded stuff. What was your foot locker looking like playing against, playing with Michael Jordan? <laughs> it, it was it was definitely, uh, you know, uh, a tree of, of an assortment of shoes. I actually, and this is funny, I actually had a contract myself. I was, I was a rookie, but I had a shoe contract and I got paid for it. It wasn't with Nike or Adidas. Of course, I wasn't on that level to get anything like that because I wasn't that good of a player at the time. I had a contract with a, a company called Kronos, and it's, hmm. it's an overseas company. And I wore the shoes and they were comfortable and, you know, I was compensated well. But that's just the notoriety that came with being a Chicago Bull. Everybody got paid in every aspect. Really? So, so I mean, I, I look at, you know, I'm a brand ambassador with Zenny, Zenny Optical. They're actually a official sponsor of the Chicago Bulls. And, you know, I, I heard a figure where certain players were getting paid, you know, for appearances. And I, and I look at you know, like off the court money. You have your sneaker money. You have this, that, and the third. For anybody who may be the 15th or the 16th man on the bench, are we talking like local Toyota commercials getting paid, showing up at restaurants? I mean, what was that like playing for the Bulls? What, what, what kind of, what kind of, not necessarily actual figures, but what kind of deals were guys getting outside of basketball sneakers? Man, I, I did events at the casino. Uh, just speaking to myself. Steve Kerr had deals going on at local malls. The, the whole town just embraced us. Chicago is a great sports town. It's an even greater town if you're winning in sports. So everything was just like, here, you guys. Here's this old city. You got it. Just keep winning. What was Steve Kerr like as a, as a teammate on the Bulls? Steve was a great guy. Still is a great guy. Still communicate with him. Uh, hate that uh, things are going down the way they are now with Golden State with all the injuries. Um, he used to be one of the guys that would tag along with me that Phil Jackson sent out to watch Dennis on these um, excursions we would go on, uh, you know, several nights throughout the week just to party. Uh, it would be our job to sit there and, you know, just make sure Dennis is okay. As I say, he's a very quiet person. Um, a lot of people would consider him weird. He, he's not really weird. He just doesn't communicate with society and, and the community that well. So you need a buffer with him whenever he goes somewhere, for the most part. It's, yeah, he had guys the late Jack Haley was a buffer. It seems you were a buffer. Steve Kerr was a buffer. Why do you think that Dennis Rodman was perceived to people as weird and, and what could you tell us about Dennis people may not know about him? Uh, he was he was just different. You know, I, I can't go into analyzing him psychologically because I'm I'm not a doctor. But you <laughs> and I spoke on yesterday and you, you know, you told me some things that I think could be possibly true because I suffer from some of the illnesses myself. Uh, sure. You know, back then in the league, if you had mental illnesses, nobody really cared or, or had enough knowledge to know what was going on. If you were paranoid, schizophrenic, you know, bipolar, 
nobody cared. It was either you were straight or you were crazy, one or the two. <laughs> and Dennis was kind of always considered crazy by people just sure. because of the things he did. Now, he was a very smart man. In no way, shape, or form was he crazy, but he had his own ways about doing things. You eloquently put that, uh, and I think that's interesting. In a day and age today where, you know, you have guys like DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love, you know, embracing, you know, that they suffer with depression, um, you had an anxiety attack in 2002. Um, and this was when you, and I'm not mistaken, were a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. If that had happened today, how differently do you think that would have played out? Well, today, you, you have guys that are uh, in contracts with pharmaceutical companies uh, embracing their medication for mental illness. Back when I played, it was, oh, you can't get on the plane to fly because you're having a panic attack? $50,000. You can't play in this game because you're having uh anxiety attack? $50,000. Everything was fine, fine, fine. And they would take your money instead of reaching out to try to get you help to deal with it because it was so new to everyone. Scooby Radio Online with Jason, two-time NBA champion Jason Cassidy, talking 90s Bulls, discussing his book and more. You played with Ray Allen. You played with Sam Cassell, Anthony Mason, Tim Thomas, under our George Carl led Milwaukee Bucks. Um, around that time, one of my favorite rappers, Jadakiss, came out with Put Your Hands Up and said, y'all scared I can tell because I'm going to get bucks like Milwaukee because like Sam, I can sell. Famous line. What was it like playing with that team with all of those personalities back then? It was tough. Uh, it was tough. You know, George, great coach. Can't take anything from him, but we all know uh, he has a, a personality. I, I have a personality, Anthony Mason definitely has one. Uh, Ray and Sam are more on the laid-back side. But uh, it was a great experience. Uh, we were put out of the Eastern Conference Finals by the uh, Philadelphia 76ers in Game 7 in Philly, which was hard because mm-hmm. I, I really thought I was going to be at that time with that Milwaukee team. But unfortunately, it did not Yeah, that team to me was was, was special. Um, you guys had a shooter in Ray Allen. You guys had a a, a, a guy that um, in San Cassell, who I knew from the Nets days in New Jersey, is just a floor general. Um, and you had a Tim Thomas who was coming into his own. He wore the double headband back then. I remember. Um, for you, um, I, I find that Bucks team interesting, and more importantly, I find that Ray Allen uh, on that team was interesting um, offensively. Ray Allen could do no wrong. Uh, where do you place him amongst the NBA greats? Uh, you know, he's, he's one of the best shooters, three-point shooters to ever play the game. Uh, offensively, he was wicked with the ball. He really was. Uh, great player. With me, I'm, I'm a little hard on players because I like to see two-way players. Michael Jordan, for example, who is my favorite player of all time, two-way player. He gives you offense, and then he's going to step up and want to challenge the best offensive player on the other team. Kobe Bryant, same way. Uh, LeBron, all of these guys my favorite player. Uh, Ray would give it to you on the offensive end, and he would kind of take off a little bit on the defensive end. And I used to talk to Ray about that, and I was like, Ray, 
man, you're one of the greatest athletes in the game right now. Why not go all out on offense and defense and be considered one of these Kobe, a la, you know, Michael Jordan type players instead of just a great scorer? And uh, I think because of the team that we were on, a lot of other guys didn't really focus on on defense as well. It was easy for him to kind of slip through the cracks with defense also. Had he been under guys like Michael Jordan and, and Scottie Pippen, I think he would have took it more serious to play defense better. But ranking him amongst the best, uh, yeah, I, I got him in my top 20 of players. Yeah, I was thinking along that line. I definitely look at Ray Allen as a top 20. I think the, the amount of talent has been raised over the last, you know, the golden era of the NBA to now, it's hard to put guys in your top 10 or even your top five. It's very hard. Could be ready on the line with Jason Caffey. I, I, I um, have spoken to NBA players in the past. They've given me Michael Jordan stories, Michael Jordan anecdotes. Some we can say, some we can't say. You have a relationship with Michael. I remember someone telling me one time that Michael Jordan um, saying Anita, Anita's Baker's giving you the best that I've got uh, while scoring 48 points on an on a opposing team or an opposing player. You being in practice with Michael, you being in the gym with Michael, you knowing Michael, what's the funniest or craziest story uh, that you can share about Michael Jordan? You know, Mike's such a serious guy. You don't get much humor out of him. He uh, He's just so intense. He's truly like a, a Marine general or something of that nature. I don't really have any, you know, funny stories uh, about Mike because everything he did was just so intense. Uh, I would have to think on that one, Scoop. Let's touch back on that one before we get off the phone today. No, that's fair. Scoopy Radio Lines with Jason Caffey talking basketball and talking more. You are looking to get into the motivational speaking space, and you kind of are doing it now. Uh, you know all about residual income and, and, and marketing yourself, having to play for the Bulls. As you said, everybody's getting money. What's on your What's on the horizon for you in, in the rest of 2019? Well, that's exactly what I'll be doing. I've, I've been meeting with superintendents down here in uh, the state of Alabama. Uh, I've been doing speaking engagements to their kids. I'm actually trying to get this curriculum. It's not just a book. It's curriculum because it was written by a professor and it's all been scientifically proven. So what I'd like to be, I'd like to be the first African-American athlete in this area to have his curriculum in the schools here. That's the legacy I would like to leave. I I don't want to be remembered as a basketball player. I want to be remembered as someone who took his experience, experiences, bettered himself, did good by his children, and helped other children. Hmm. Tell me more about the curriculum. I'm interested. My parents are educators. Well, the book itself, Richard and the Boys, The Puberty Experience, is actually a book for boys ages 9 through 12. Now, in this country, we have a problem uh, with parents wanting to have the conversation of sex with their children. It's a very touchy topic. In the state of Alabama alone, we sit at 25% higher than the rest of the country for STDs, teenage pregnancy. Because we're in the Bible Belt, people don't like to get into this. Well, my book, I was smart enough to go out and get a lady who was a professional in this field. And then what I added to it was a little humor and the little slang talk that a boy, 9 through 12, who read this book could understand exactly what I'm talking about and get why certain things are happening to them at certain times in their life, why my voice is changing, why is hair growing in certain places. 
all of these topics are in the book and they will educate you if you read it. And for those parents who don't want to have this conversation with their kid, it's a great book to give that kid to read. Chase, the book with the documentary, his dedicates was say on the line with Jason Caffey talking his book, talking the Bulls playing days, talking to the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks, excuse me, and more. You um, played for the Golden State Warriors, uh, and you signed with the Warriors for seven years and signed a, a, a pretty good contract. You averaged career highs of 12 points and 6.8 rebounds during the 1999-2000 season with the Warriors. You playing for the Bulls, you playing for the Warriors, you're more than qualified to answer this question. The 96 Bulls, the 72-10 and 10 team, were compared to the Warriors that got 73-9, I believe that was their record. My question to you is, if the Warriors had won the championship that year, would you be ready to give, would you have been ready to give that crown as the best ever to the Warriors in comparison to your Bulls team? No, I, I can't I can't say that I would be ready to just turn that over that easy. Uh, you know, one game it is better. It's a better record. True enough, they broke the record. But uh based off the things that I saw on the floor with Michael, Dennis, Scotty, and the role players such as Tony, Steve, myself, we just weren't gonna lay down to anyone. It it just wasn't gonna happen. And uh I I just believe in my heart truly that we as a team would have been prepared and ready to deal with those Warriors had we had the opportunity to come up against them. Phil Jackson, legendary coach, um, coached you guys. Uh, was able to coach you guys without a quote-unquote dominant center like maybe he did in L.A. with Shaq and Kobe. Do you think the triangle offense is predicated upon a big man and a shooting guard needing to dominate? Or do you really think that the Bulls were the exception to the rule with Michael dominating the ball the way that he did? I I think it's an exception uh, to the fact that Michael and his uh, perimeter abilities, along with Scotty and Steve, I mean, if you look at those guys, Michael was the only one who used to go to the post. Uh, mm. All the rest of them did it from the perimeter. And as you said, we had no really big man scoring presence like a, a Barkley or a Carl Malone, and we were still able to win championships, which is what's going on today. Championships are being won from the perimeter. So if you look at that Bulls team, it was somewhat of a team before its time because before that, you were used to seeing teams win championships with a dominating big man and or a really good perimeter player or several good perimeter players. When I look at the triangle offense, um, you know, for me, looking at the Princeton offense with Pete Carrell, uh, who organized it or who 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 was credited for 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 making it happen, uh, I see some similarities and intricacies um, in the way that Tex Winter designed the triangle offense. You, you play professional basketball. I leave the floor to you. From your from your knowledge of X's and O's, how is the, how are those two offenses similar and how are they different? Well, with the triangle offense. Uh, it's still stuck in my head, man. Once you learn that, you don't forget it. And it's hard as hell to learn other offenses once you've been through that. I love a constant movement offense simply because it keeps defense on its toes. And anytime you keep the defense moving and on its toes, sooner or later, a defensive player is going to make a mistake. Somebody's going to get a wide open shot. And I love that about the triangle. 
So help me understand it. The triangle offense is predicated. You guys are consistently moving in a triangle pattern. You have the center and the post. You have the two perimeter guys, in your case, Scotty and Michael, uh, or maybe on the left or the right side. Are you constantly moving in a triangle? Like, how is one paying attention to their defender while also being cognizant about being in a triangle shape? Is it possible to just F that up? Help me understand that. You can screw it up easily. And everybody can't learn the triangle. It's just right. not for everyone. You know, it took me probably the first four or five months just to get it all down there. And um, I'm no dummy, but I'm no scholar either. So <laughs> it's just not for everyone. Yeah, that to me, that was always, I, I remember sitting in a red lobster with my dad one time and pretending like I knew it. I kind of knew it, kind of understood it, but it just seemed like you were constantly moving in a triangle shape. It's constant back cuts screens and more for someone who is who who is a career dummy how how can you simplify it in three steps you don't run it for them okay <laughs> that's the only way to simplify it okay yeah i i, I think it's it's interesting like when you look at phil jackson and his ability to, to um get you guys all on the same page it seemed like not only were you running an offense but you were also an oprah's book club you guys constantly had different assignments and books. What kind of books, did, from what I understand, Phil Jackson constantly gave you guys assignments? What kind of tasks or what kind of books did he personally give you to keep you on your toes? Well, Phil was a mastermind. He, uh, I don't think he gave us books from the standpoint of uh, anything dealing with basketball. He tried to keep your mind as calm as possible while going through the process of going through a season. Uh, he did that with film sessions. We would be in there watching films, and it could be a film on basketball and the opposing team that we're going to be playing. And then a skit would just pop up on the screen of something from Animal House or something that was hilarious that would just loosen you back up just that much to get you ready to roll with that game that night. He was a mastermind of things like that. We used to burn sage up in the uh, locker room all these type things that a, a Buddha would do, you know, Zen master. Will Purdue, um, I met him back in October. I was actually a guest on um, 670 to score uh, back in October, and he was the guest before me. And he told this story about how Tex Winter would be sitting in an airplane and would be reading his mail, and evidently uh, Will Purdue asked Tex Winter, Tex, what are you doing? And apparently he was filling out applications for Publishers Clearinghouse because he wanted to win so bad. And that was his only time that he could sit and he could actually read his mail and fill out stuff when he had kind of like a, a, a low time. Um, what was your experience like with Tex Warner and what was he like? Uh, Tex, great guy. You know, I, I wasn't there during the first three years. I caught those next three championships. But, uh, a very strong-willed man. Uh, although he was elderly, it was nothing for text to get up in your face and, and let you know you're screwing up. And um, that that came with Phil, too. I mean, he would face off with Phil if he didn't agree on something that Phil did. He had no problem, you know, sharing that. Very humble man. Uh, didn't look for a lot of credit. Didn't care about a lot of credit. All text cared about was W's. I love the city of Chicago. I'm sure you do, too. Are you more of a home-running pizza guy or a house signature guy? 
<laughs> I like the deep dish pizza out of there, man. Yeah. Chicago was it over there. Definitely. Scoopy Radio on the line. I love Chicago, shit. brother. Good time. How, how often do you come back? Man, I don't get to Chicago that often because along with this book, I've been in the mental illness business for the last 10 years. Uh, mm-hmm. I operate homes for mentally ill men, and mm-hmm. that is a uh, very demanding job. So mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time to travel the world and do the things that uh, I want to do. I feel like the Lord put me in this position 10 years ago to humble me, and it has been a humbling experience. And, you know, I love my guys. I've contemplated doing other things, but I just can't bring myself to leaving these men behind because I don't really think anybody's going to love them like I do. You know, it's funny you say that because Jason Williams, uh, Annette, um, is working out in Florida, working with kids and um, rather adults who have, you know, issues with uh, drug abuse. And I, and I don't think that gets talked about enough. Um, and I commend you for what you're doing um, as it relates to, you know, mentoring people with mental illness. Um, what ultimately you're playing, you played in the NBA, you, you, you're the man. Where do you ultimately see yourself in the next, you know, five to 10 years with your mission, with your book, with your motivational speaking and more? Well, I, I like to be, like I said, the author of these other three books. I like to co-author with them, with Dr. Uh, Nadine Pierre-Louis, who I did this first one with and doing speaking engagements for the youth around the country to, um, you know, not tell them anything crazy. I just, you know, I, I made decisions in my life based off of my childhood that we haven't discussed, and I hate that we didn't because it will make people understand me more. But I grew up in a home where I was verbally abused, mm-hmm. and um, it was it was common, and uh, a lot of fights with my hmm. mom and dad. And uh, we have a great relationship now. My mom and dad have been married for 57 years. When I had my lowest points, they were the biggest people championing for me, and they helped me out the most. But it was hell growing up with them. And I think as I got older, I equated love with having children. And the love that I couldn't receive in the home that I grew up in when I was younger, I tried to control it in uh, a grown person's life. And that's why I think I, you know, had as many kids as I, as I did. I'm proud of all my children today. They're doing very well. Uh, got six of them that are in Division One colleges, all on scholarships. Um, I got some more. Uh, they're growing up, doing really well. I think they're going to be college kids. So it's it's a lot to me. If you would, I would like you to look me up on www.docdocn. Jock, dot com, and you can see more about me and my life stories and, and struggles and uh, me trying to come back up, basically. No, and I respect that. Scoopy right on the line with Jason Caffey uh, talking about the new book coming out, Richard and the Boys, The Puberty Experience, which comes out July 2019. You can check that out at docandjock.com. Uh, me, myself, my my um, mother, my father divorced when I was three years old. My father was not in, li- in my life until I was 18 and uh, wasn't, well, I'll say 16, but fully in the, at the age of 18 when I was in college. And I understand uh, what it's like uh, to not necessarily have your father in life and the reconciliation that, that it takes. How hard was it for you, if I may ask, um, was it, at what point did you re-enter your kid's life? Was with their resentment, how are you paying it forward so that now you're in a place where 
their solitude. Well, I, I never resented my children. Uh, we were going through a lot of things simply because I settled with uh, none of their mothers. And anytime you've got finances, large finances, lawyers and kids involved, you're going to have drama. And uh, a lot of drama came my way. I took a lot of flack for being a person who didn't care for his kids or being a deadbeat be dad, which I never was. Um, I think up until five years ago, which was 10 years after I graduated, I was still being charged child support based off a of $5 million salary, which I hadn't seen since 2003. So in some ways, I feel like I was wrong by the, uh, the system. But uh, this was all stuff that I had to go through, through decisions I made. And I thank the Lord for it now because I feel like he put me through that or I put myself through that. We did it together for a reason. And the reason is for me to push this book and push these other books to educate kids that the decisions you make now will affect you in your life the rest of your life. So that's going to be my mission in life moving forward with this real men talk model that we have. And to those who are listening on Scooby Radio, we have Jason Caffeine online. DocAndJock.com. DocAndJock is to challenge the perception of men being more self-aware as weakness in our society. Professional athletes are viewed as representative of all things successfully male. That's deep. Uh, consequently, DocAndJock seeks to leverage this perception and challenge, excuse me, and change the male narrative by modeling the relationship between the healthcare professionals and former professional athletes. Uh, it says we create a powerful, positive image for change based on the joining of knowledge with real life experiences. Our goal is to bring our slogan to life and create a world where real men talk. Man, you that that site says something to me that really stands out. Number one, I see Doc and Jock as a play on words with MTV's Rock and Jock, um, it seems. But also, the line that stood out to me um, was... Our society, in our society, professional athletes are viewed as representative of all things successfully male. That's a powerful phrase right there. It's almost like you as, a, as an athlete or a retired NBA athlete, um, you're like Hercules. You, the, 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 people think that you're just the strongest man in the world. Yeah, and I, I got to give a lot of credit to uh, Dr. Nadine Pierre-Louis. Uh, with a lot of this uh, terminology. And um, she's just great. She's a great writer, and I hope she gets her chance this time to prove to the world that she is that. Uh, me, myself, what I bring is, is life experiences to the table. Uh, when we come in and we, when we work with uh, superintendents, we do workshops. So Dr. Nadine Pierre-Louise teaches the educational side. What I do from my side is I tell my lifehood stories and how my decisions uh, affected my life. Now, it helps when children see an athlete, 6'8", 285 pounds, uh, who looks like an athlete because that's what they associate success with. So they need to see that this successful figure has risen, he has fallen, and he's risen again. And that's our mission. Yeah, looking at your website or looking at the site, it says uh, you, you have a quote that says your favorite quote is to be old and wise. You must first be young and stupid. Uh, also, also, <laughs> How you I, like you know, that, Scooby? <laughs> man, when you, I, I think that applies to athletes. I think that when you guys have, you know, 18, 19, anywhere from 18 to 22 years old with a ton of money, you're the envy of all nine and fivers. And at the same time, you're a college age kid 
who still calling themselves and you make dumb decisions. It's just the fact that you have money. Um, you hold, you're held to a higher standard as an athlete. Do you, are these the kind of conversations that you guys have, like being young and having money and having the the world in your hands? Like, is, are those conversations that guys have in the locker room? No, no, we don't have those conversations simply because we're all young and dumb. We got a lot of money, and that money gives us an arrogance that is just unparalleled. And guess what? Neither one of us want any of the other to know how dumb we really are. Hmm. That's deep. So we just shut up about that and we spend money like crazy and do foolish things. I mean, you have your exceptions, but I truly think the NBA, instead of doing a one-day or a one-week program, I think all rookies should go through a year-long program of education on how to handle your money, what decisions to make. I think they should do skits with women in there, uh, prostitutes, guys who sell drugs, who approach you. I think all of this should be done year-round, that first year, for all rookies. And then you can really educate someone. I mean, think about it. You can't go to college and in two weeks get a degree. Mm -hmm. How are you going to get a degree or educate yourself on knowing how to handle all this money in a one-term deal that the NBA passes out? Yeah, that's true. I remember going to college, and of course, they give you the, the look to the left, look to the right. The person who's there may not be there. And then if you took out student loans, you have the conversation about credit cards and all that other stuff because they get you early on. But in the NBA, you guys have that symposium, the rookie symposium. I mean, everybody didn't grow up rough. So everybody doesn't, everybody's not, some people are naive to the world, don't realize the influence that they actually have on people. But then I feel like you guys, it, it depends on which veteran latches on to you first. Like Charles Barkley has told stories about Moses Malone latching on to him. Shaq talked about how he spent like a, a million dollars or so a day. Who was your who was your OG? Was it Michael or was it someone else? Well, actually, no. No, none of us were blessed to hang around Michael like that. Uh, not even Scotty. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time up under Scotty. Uh, mm. He, he kind of took me in and took me under his wing. And believe it or not, Robert Parrish did a great job with me as well. The chief, the uh, good friend of mine. So, and Steve Kerr was very instrumental. If I ever needed to know anything, I could always go talk to Steve. So, those are the people who worked with me when I was in Chicago. No, nah, man, that that that's that's deep. I'm looking at. I'm still looking at this DocAndJack.com, and I'm intrigued. I'm looking at this World Championship ring. That gold ring, I'm looking at, you know, your discussion about your bio, talking about mental illness. Um, you definitely uh, worked a lot with these kids. I'm seeing pictures in the background um, or of, of the, the kids that you've impacted. Um, Scoopy Radio on the line with Jason Cass, talking about his book, talking about mentoring, and talking about a myriad of other things. I don't even know where to go with this. Um, your book, where can people find it when it releases? Uh, it, it will be in bookstores. It will be in ebook form as well. Uh, I'll be traveling the country promoting the book. Um, you can look on the website, and, and days, dates will be announced on there. So please, if you're available and um, you have a young man in your household or you know somebody who does have a young man in their household, he's definitely going to go through puberty. Uh, come out, check this book out. It might just be the material that you need to educate that kid so that he makes some great decisions uh, in his future. 
Jason, did the Toronto Raptors close it out tonight? Oh, man. Being that Steve Kerr, one of my good friends, wrote the forward on the book for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you put me in a bad situation, but I do have Toronto closing it out tonight. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought it would have won seven games, but, I mean, Kawhi Leonard has just been uh, Kawhi Leonard uh, in, in the NBA Finals, and, you know, he's, he's, earning, his, he's earning his key. Yes, man. I, I love Kawhi. You know, I, I like the African kid, uh, Pascal, uh, Van Fleet. Uh, Toronto has a, a, a great thing going, and I'm happy to see it simply because uh, it's a Canadian team. And it's mm-hmm. good. Like you said to me, it's good for diversity of the league. Oh, for sure. So, in all fairness, the Golden State injuries, injury plague, you know, which that comes along with basketball, but, you know, that has a lot to do with what we're seeing right now. For sure. Now, when we talked a little while ago, you said you were going to tell me, you're going to think about a Michael Jordan story that you could share. Have you thought of anything? Man, the dude was just that intense. I, wow. You hit me with one on that one. Had it been <laughs> any other guy to told you about that silliness. But, man, with Michael, there's just any silliness about this man, the way he carries himself. When I saw him at the All-Star game, and I sent you that picture that night. Sure. Uh, when I was walking into the room with him and his family, because it was rainy and cold in Charlotte. And I was yeah. about to take the hat off before I could even get in there and take that up. Look like somebody would take their damn hat off before they comes in the room. You know, this, this dude is just straight up general style. <laughs> Nothing silly about it. Nah, I respect that. Scotty Pippen, um, to me, um, you, you were drafted by the Bulls in 95. So if I'm not mistaken, were you on that team that year when Michael retired or was that the following year? I got there the year that. You know, Mike came back from baseball in Birmingham, and uh, Orlando put them out of the playoffs that year. So that following year, 95-96, was Michael's first full year back. I got there that year. Okay. Yeah, man, that 45-23, to you were in college watching that then, when Nick Anderson and Michael were joined, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. I remember the Black Range Rover pulling up at the uh, stadium and out of there like Superman's back. <laughs> nah, man, that 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 was special, and um, you definitely have paved your own way um, and leading your lasting impact. I'm looking at this website, GockandJock.com. You got this crazy white and blue icicle shirt on. You looking smooth there, brother? Talking to these kids. <laughs> Thank you, bro. You know, this we're in the South. Very humid down here, so linen is a way of life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Everybody listening, make sure to check out docandjock.com. Check out Jason Caffey and everything he's got going on with all things book, motivational speaking, and more. And, Jason, I got to thank you for dropping by. It's a blast from the past. And make sure that uh, you stay in touch and we have you on again soon. Scoop, thank you for your time. Uh, continue the good work and uh, continue success to you, young man. Scoop B Radio. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.